Our scripture reading this morning is from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 31 through 45. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate people one from another, as a shepherd separates sheep from the goats. And he will put the sheep at his right hand and the goats at the left. Then the king will say to those at his right hand, Come, come you that are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. I was naked, and you gave me clothing. I was sick, and you took care of me. I was in prison, and you visited me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry and gave you food, or thirsty and gave you something to drink? And when was it that we saw you a stranger and welcomed you, or naked and gave you clothing? And when was it that we saw you sick or in prison and visited you? And the king will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did it to one of the least of these who are members of my family, you did it to me. Then he will say to those at his left hand, You that are accursed, depart from me into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. Naked, and you did not give me clothing. Sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. And then they will also answer, Lord, when was it that we saw you hungry or thirsty, or a stranger or naked, or sick or in prison, and did not take care of you? Then he will answer them, Truly I tell you, just as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. The word of God for you, the people of God. May God bless this reading, our understanding, and our hearing of the message that goes with it. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much for welcoming me and Kristen back into your incredible congregation this morning. 26 years of being open and affirming. It's, 
this is truly an inspiring place for both of us to come and visit, so thank you for opening your doors. And thank you, Vern, for working with me to plan the, plan the service. You know, anytime I'm in a church, the minister usually reaches out and asks me what scripture you know, I would like before the sermon, and I'm always like, whatever you want. <laughs> Hands off when it comes to that. Let's leave that to the pros. Um, but I'm incredibly grateful for Vern for, to Vern for picking that scripture this morning. You know, our world is to say the least stressful right now on so many levels. Even when we have last weekend a 70-degree weekend in January, it's hard to enjoy imagining you know, the existential threat of climate change causing our beautiful weekend. And so I, I debated what to share with you this morning in my message. To bring something lighter or to, bring, to continue to pull the curtain back on the realities in Indian country in the United States and, and bring a, a more somber, more serious message. I debated that for quite some time and with the scripture that Vern chose about our obligation as giving Christian faithful people to serve others and to walk that walk of, of Jesus and of the scripture, I'm hopeful that I made the right decision to pull that curtain back and share with you more of the realities that exist in our country for Native Americans. So thank you for the opportunity. I was wearing the same shoes as I'm wearing now. And despite my numbing toes through the soles, I could feel the sharpness of the jagged, frozen ground of the Cheyenne River Sioux Tribe Reservation as I walked. I was on the small slice of land that remained sovereign territory owned by the Lakota people. I laced up my shoes this morning and walked from my house to the car. I was on ground owned by me. As I walked across the parking lot and into this church, I was on ground owned by you. This morning I made that walk to share this message with you. That day on the reservation, I was walking to one of the Simply Smiles pickup trucks to get a shovel to dig a grave for yet another Lakota child who had hanged himself. That frigid November evening, we interred a boy in his Lakota flesh, bones, blood, and DNA into the land that generations of his predecessors had occupied, suffered for, and continued to die for. The land under this pulpit and under my house is Wappinger Indian land. It was taken by force, taken by massacre, and now we live comfortably upon it. For almost everyone, we live comfortably ignorant upon it. Those truths should make you and me uncomfortable. Because there's discomfort in the fact that each day we live our lives benefiting from unconscionable policies enacted and atrocities committed against Native peoples by member of a club that we all belong to, citizenship of the United States of America. The food we eat, the highways we drive on, the parks where our children play, our American lifestyle is made possible because of intentioned efforts to kill or to marginalize the original inhabitants of this country. Okay. I didn't kill anyone or steal anyone's land to have a place to lay my head or to give this message. And you didn't commit any atrocities to make a space for the pews that you're all sitting in. 
in need of children didn't do anything to be born into suffering. But here's the reality. We inherit the sins of those Americans who came before us, and Native children inherit the resulting pain. We inherit the sins, they inherit the pain. And it's why we lose so many Native children. And it's why, as Americans, we have an obligation to recognize and to support Native people on their terms. Maria Yellowhorse Braveheart coined the term historical trauma in the 1980s. It means that the effects of trauma suffered by your family are passed through the generations to you. She was building on work done with Holocaust survivors and their descendants and applying it to Native people in the United States. Historical trauma means that my friends, your friends, on the Cheyenne River Reservation today at this very moment are laden with a physical and psychological burden from the Wounded Knee Massacre of 1890, from relocation policies, from children being forced into boarding schools to be assimilated, from children being separated from their siblings and placed with non-Native foster families across the country. It means that when a child living on the reservation steps off our bus for Simply Smile summer camp, that they are living with and burdened with the pain of what has happened to them directly in their lives and also what happened to their parents, grandparents, and great-grandparents. They inherit the pain. I share this concept because I want to help you understand why conditions in Indian country are what they are, why the poverty there can seem impossibly entrenched. I want to help us think beyond silver bullet economic development plans, anti-corruption efforts, and programs to pass out more used winter coats. But to be honest with you, this concept of trauma being passed through your DNA was a little hard for me to get my head around too at first, until I heard about this study. Researchers, scientists, created a cherry-like smell that they were sure that lab mice had never had any previous exposure to. It was a new smell. They exposed this cherry smell to mice, and they noticed their positive reaction. The mice liked it. Then the researchers started, minister, started to administer severe electric shocks to the mice each time they were exposed to the cherry smell. They associated a trauma with the cherry smell. The researchers then allowed the mice to reproduce. The offspring of these mice came into the world with no personal experience with the cherry smell, favorable or unfavorable. But when the researchers exposed the mice offspring to the cherry smell, they hated it, were scared of it, in fact. The trauma from the electric shock associated with the cherry smell had been passed from one generation to the next. When the offspring were then allowed to subsequently reproduce, their mice pups also had an adverse reaction to that cherry smell. It took the scientists upwards of seven generations for the mice to no longer associate a cherry smell with trauma. They inherited the pain. Why does it seem to never get anybody better? Why does it never seem to get any better in Indian country generation after generation? There are many reasons for the current conditions, of course, but historical trauma is at the top of the list. Maria Yellow Howard Horse Braveheart calls this trauma native people are saddled with historical unresolved grief. 
The boarding school era, for example, the federal policy to remove children from their families, place them in faraway boarding schools, and force them to Americanize and abandon their native culture, is a wound that never healed. A tragedy, a trauma, that for many natives was never resolved, was never dealt with. It wasn't addressed personally, and it wasn't addressed publicly. Show me a social studies textbook that includes the Native American boarding schools, and I think Vern and all of us will agree we can make a deal and we'll skip out on the rest of this and go to lunch if you can show me that textbook. It doesn't exist. So it's not a surprise that historical and new trauma isn't dealt with when you realize the realities in our country and our culture and the realities in Indian country. On the Cheyenne River Reservation, where Simply Smiles works, the nearest town is 32 miles away. Even when one of our young campers attempted suicide three times, Simply Smiles was unable, with all of our resources, we were unable to get him the mental health intervention he needed on the reservation. We had to hire our own therapeutic clinical director and move her from Rhode Island to South Dakota. Like a physical wound that never healed, unresolved grief causes chronic pain and suffering, hampering one's ability to pursue happiness and one's ability to use their God-given skills to build a life and to build a future. Great-grandmother, great-grandma suffered and struggled. Grandma suffered and struggles. Mom suffers and struggles. We stand on the shoulders, each of us, of those who came before us. What if our parents were never able to stand up? We stand on the shoulders of those who came before us, but what if our parents were never able to stand up? Simply Smiles has been working side by side with Lakota people on the Cheyenne River Reservation in South Dakota for over a decade. First Church has been supporting this effort since day one. This summer, Another team from this church, another team of volunteers, is headed to the reservation with Simply Smiles. This will be your seventh trip, seven times, to the reservation with us. Together, we recognize clearly that we've inherited the sin. With that recognition, we travel to places like Cheyenne River Reservation. We listen, we learn, we accept. We work to fight the wrong, to right the wrong, and we atone, and we all heal. This healing is possible because the chain reaction of trauma being passed from generation to generation to generation to generation is not a runaway train. It can be stopped. On the Cheyenne River Reservation, Simply Smiles has begun construction of the Simply Smiles Children's Village, a first-of-its-kind, intentional community of native foster parents for the most vulnerable children in Indian country. Because for some parents on the reservation, the symptoms are cumulatively just too much, and their pain impacts the lives of their children through abuse, neglect, abandonment. For those children, there are no services on the reservation. They remain in unsafe, often lethal environments. Or they are separated from their siblings, separated from their extended families, from their culture, and shipped to non-native foster families across the country. The results are nothing less than devastating. 
These are the children that the Simply Smiles Children's Village serves. This is where Simply Smiles intervenes and stops the train in its tracks. Supported unanimously by the Tribal Council, licensed and funded by the state of South Dakota, and built with your hands, we accept these children into the care of the village and into the loving arms of native, exemplary foster parents. When a child walks across their people's land and through the door of their beautiful new home in the Simply Smiles Children's Village, they are passing through a threshold of possibility. You see the full, pic the full picture now. You see that a child who has experienced direct trauma in their lives, in their lives, who is born with the pre-existing condition of historical trauma, that child is a tremendous fire burning in her belly, and she feels the heat of it every day. For generations, we've seen the power of that fire to burn her down. Alcoholism, drug abuse, violence, suicide. But today that all changes, because while fire has the power to destroy, it also has the power to bend metal, to be wielded, to build a framework for a strong, resilient, and driven life. The children who grow up at the Simply Smiles Children's Village will learn to harness that fire inside them, to wield it, to build a bright future for themselves, for their families, and for their people. Future generations will stand on their shoulders. They'll inherit their strength. Amen.